0: Hello welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Saturday afternoon evening here in San Francisco, where the finals are taking place. Joining me from down the street and around the corner is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. And joining us from Dallas, Texas, where he's sipping Mai Tais and enjoying the games at his leisure and thinking about his summer plans is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. He was so upset when the Mavericks got eliminated. Von
1: Tempsey
0: didn't have to keep working. Yeah, he pro, was so upset because
1: it went five games instead of four. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> there's pros and cons to uh, to anything.
0: There you go. So, uh, we got our. Uh, we got to see a first game. Um, uh, an unusual, uh, uh, you know, fourth quarter to say the least. Probably one of the one of more uh, remarkable fourth quarters in recent finals history. Um, incredible turnaround for the Celtics to take a 1-0 lead. I did not think the Celtics were winning that game. I felt the Celtics, were, the Celtics were coming back to Boston 1-1. I thought they would lose game one and win game two because they've come back off of losses throughout the uh, entire postseason. Um, that was you know my projection and why it's really hard to know what's going to happen in these series. Um, you know, an incredible series of, 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 of shot making done by the Celtics. And, you know, being at practice, uh, today, uh, you could hear that the, the warriors were sort of in a mix of anger at themselves and also a belief that the Celtics will not shoot that well again. There was sort of this undertone of, hey, congrats to those guys. They made great shots. They don't normally make them like that. And, you know, that's true. You don't normally see a team go 9 of 11 on threes in the fourth quarter of a finals game on the road. That is outlandish. But Bontemps, I'm not sure that the Warriors entered that game, to use a Spurs phrase, with appropriate fear. And I don't think that they took the Celtics and their ability to, to make comebacks with appropriate fear and that cost them a game.
2: Yeah. I thought that the Warriors sort of did a lot of the things they've done through the playoffs. And I thought the Celtics also to that point did a lot of the things they've done through the playoffs. And, you know, to me, game one sort of confirmed for me, at least a lot of my priors. Now, obviously I didn't expect the Warriors to blow that lead in the fourth quarter, but the Warriors in this postseason have given up 130 wide open three pointers, according to Second Spectrum's tracking data. They have consistently in the playoffs, and McMahon saw this against Dallas. They have given up a lot of open threes. And the Mavericks missed them all. And that's why that series went the way it did. But for all of Draymond Green's talk the past couple of days about all, oh, you know, Al Horford and Derek White and Marcus Smart, they're not going to make these threes. Well, Draymond Green stood around and let these guys hit practice shots early in the I game. I wouldn't say Al he Horford stood around. He did not. He, he played. He
0: cheated. He, played. he cheated to try to make plays on Tatum and Brown, and then didn't respect them to get out to, to he guard. He played them. a
2: terrible. He played a terrible game at both ends of the court, and a lot of that on the defensive end was absolutely not doing what he was supposed to be doing, and allowing Al Horford to just get one wide open Mm -hmm. practice shot after another and yes Draymond got up there and said those guys aren't going to hit shots he went on his pod and said those guys aren't going to hit shots and that's fine but the Warriors have throughout these playoffs repeatedly allowed teams wide open shot after wide open shot after wide open shot and if they do that against the Celtics team in the series I think they're going to be in trouble the other thing we saw in that game was the Celtics were able to control a lot of that game defensively they were for some reason deciding to let staff get one wide open shot after another in the first quarter but after that they did a much better job on him they really shut down Jordan Poole and they clearly got Draymond set at the offensive end of the court where he was trying to jack up threes and do all this stuff and go way out of what they need him to be doing right now so obviously the third quarter from Golden State side that went the way we talked about going into the series Golden State's always great in them Boston's terrible but I thought a lot of the priors I had coming in about the advantages Boston has in the series and the things where Golden State is going to have to step up and do better to win. I thought they came through over the course of that game, and it's why it's going to be fascinating to see how the Warriors respond in Game Two because they have some really clear decisions to me that they have to make
1: as they try to move forward to match what Boston can do. Yeah, and and acting like this is just so uncharacteristic of the Celtics to have a prolific sh- uh, three point shooting performance, dude. This is four times in this postseason they've hit 20 plus threes and it's not just obviously there's some luck involved uh with some of the shots they hit but like you said a lot of these it was beautiful ball movement creating wide open looks like they generated great looks to give them a chance to shoot it that well and you can talk about well you know Derek White shot better than he usually does Al Horford's never made six threes in a game and you know Marcus Smart he's He's you know he's not that high percentage of a three point shooter. Oh, there's a, a fluke factor there. Okay, Jason Tatum went three of seventeen. I don't, I don't think you're going to see that uh, probably again the, the rest of the series. He, you know, he's a guy who he, he for whatever reason tends to have one dud uh, of the shooting performance per series. Well, he got that out of the way, and the Celtics still won. And I think the other thing that the Celtics proved beyond any doubt is that stat going in this, into this series. 123 finals games of experience to zero is absolutely, completely irrelevant. The Celtics are not going to crumble. They're not going to, you know, there's not stage fright there. Um, You know, yes, all those guys, that was their first finals game, but it's not like they didn't have high-pressure playoff experience. And they took a typical Warriors, you know, flurry of punches in the third quarter. Where if they were going to, you know, know, if they were going to wilt under the bright lights of the finals, that was going to be the time it happened. And obviously they came back and and snatched that game uh, away from the Warriors on the road.
0: In my view, Steve Kerr is really going to have to roll up his sleeves and adjust what he did. Um, when he got these guys back, you know, it's, it's unusual that you would go from one game to another, even though the games were week apart, and you get three players that you didn't have back. And that's what happened when Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter, and Gary Payton all became available from being out. And so all of a sudden, he now had all these different avenues he could go down. And in game one, and I'm not even saying that this is wrong, he decided to go with Andre Iguodala. He played Iguadala way more than I thought he would. He trusted Iguadala in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, there were, you know, the 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter, the 40 is stunning and the 16 is stunning. Yeah. And the 16 was partially because he had Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala out there. And for a while, he had him out there without Steph Curry. And that lineup was very easy for the warrior for the Celtics to defend and they weren't able to get any, um, you know, advantage on the defensive end because they, they just didn't respect the outside shooting. So I would be very surprised if Andre Iguodala plays as much in game two as he did in game one. And I think that you will see, it's impossible. Those, those two, the Draymond and Iguodala can play together like that without Steph. Um, uh draymond was two of 12 shooting and i guess the correct answer is you're supposed to say if you're left wide open you have to shoot i don't think you should shoot that often if if you're going to hurt your team like that i don't think draymond green should have 12 shots and if one of the options for him is to have to pass the would who they don't have to guard that's problematic and bontemps there's this weird undertone with gary payton the second um I specifically went to his interview session today because I wanted to hear what he said about his elbow. So he was activated and made available in game one. Didn't play. Steve Kerr said today that he was he was available, but he was only available in in how did he phrase it, Bon uh, Temps in
2: He basically, individu- he basically in, in, said he would defensive. Have, Yeah, basically said he would use him in in you know specific. He he would felt comfortable using him in specific situations in that game. But I think didn't. the I think the the more truthful answer is Steve Kerr has ridden with Andre Godala for years. It's former Arizona fellow Arizona alum. He's been with this team through all the ups and downs, all the finals, everything that's gone on. And I think he trusted Andre Iguodala to get a shot first to play the minutes that I think Gary Payton is going to get in Game Two. And I think. When you start to look at adjustments, the, the first adjustment to me is get Gary Payton out there for chunks of this game to guard Jalen Brown. Because that game turned at the start of the fourth quarter when Jalen Brown got whatever he wanted on offense. And there was nobody on, this, on the Warriors who was out there who could guard him. Gary Payton might be an offensive liability. Who knows where his shot is at? He's not much of a scorer in the first place. That guy's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And you put him out there for five, six minutes on Jalen Brown, who we all have talked about throughout the playoffs. Has had trouble with turnovers, trouble dribbling at times. We saw it in the Miami series; he was constantly losing the ball. Uh, (laughs) Gary Payton, I will say, take the ball off him two or
0: three times. Yeah, Jalen Brown. He did have one turnover early, but Jalen Brown was much more comfortable driving the ball than he was against Miami. But so at Gary Payton's interview session today, he basically said, "I'm available, and I'm just waiting for Steve Kerr to call my name." So. I thought maybe he just wasn't physically ready, but he kind of made it clear he was physically ready. So we were let in for, the, for a half hour of Warriors practice today, and we didn't get to see, obviously, any of them running through their, through their actual nitty-gritty of practice, but we did get to see them go through shooting drills. And Gary Payton very actively did not take part in the shooting drills. Mm-hmm. Every player on the, on the roster was shooting at one of the two baskets, on the main floor and Gary Payton, and you may have even seen it on social media because people thought it was funny and they were recording it. Gary Payton was playing this game where he was trying to bounce the ball into the ball rack at center court. Instead of shooting, we got there for a half hour. Gary Payton did not shoot. And I don't know if that was like gamesmanship (laughs) because he didn't want people to see how he was shooting. I don't know if he was like, well, I won't shoot so that, uh, people won't see how bad I am right now. Or if it's like, actually I'm shooting just good, but I want people to think that I can't shoot. I don't know what to make of it. I just know that I sat there and watched for a half hour and he didn't shoot at all. He was, you know, Draymond green was out there practicing his three point shoots shooting, which is, you know, arguably fruitless at this point. And Gary Payton wasn't shooting make of that what you will,
1: you know, and, and you mentioned the Iguodala minutes. Iguodala played 12 minutes. I'm wondering about the Jordan. It, felt like, it felt like 20. It felt like 20. Uh, I'm wondering about the Jordan Poole minutes and he played 25 plus minus in a single game can be wonky. We all understand that, but he played 25 minutes. they were outscored by 19. And I'm telling you, he was a, like, I, I don't think, I think that plus minus is reflective of his performance. He was there was one offensively play and horrific where, defensively. Th-
0: there was one play where Jalen Brown went past him and he would have to be more aggressive to have been called a statue. Yeah. And Steph Curry was, was on the court and he saw Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown got a of, dunk.
1: He gave one of these like
0: for audio listeners.
1: Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, yeah.
0: He was, he was, he was displeased. He, he, that, he gave,
1: he gave Jordan Poole the look that I give bomb tips. A lot of times when bomb tips start rambling that, that look. <laughs> well, Look, as you said before, McMahon, there was a
2: lot of talk coming into the series about 123 to zero. The Celtics guys have infinitely more playoff experience than Jordan Pool. Yeah. Jordan Poole looked very shook in game one. Now we talked going into game one about how this is probably not going to be a Jordan Pool series because the Celtics mm-hmm. have a bunch of big physical guys on the perimeter who can get into him, get into his airspace, can make it hard for him to get around. And we all know that he's not exactly a great defensive player, and that's being very charitable and so he's going to be a target with the Celtics loving to target guys at the other end. Now we get into another another adjustment in game two. As you mentioned, Brian, the start of that fourth quarter, you had Draymond, Andre Godal out there with Jordan Poole. I don't think the Warriors can have a single minute when Jordan Poole's on the court and Steph isn't when he's out there with two non-shooters. You've got to have him out there with three other guys who can hit shots around either Draymond or Looney or somebody at center, and that to give him every opportunity to have some airspace to operate. If he's out there with Steph, maybe you can get away with it. But in those minutes, Steph isn't on the court. And it's probably only going to be six or seven minutes in game two. I'm guessing he's going to probably play 41 or 42 minutes. Yeah. He's actively campaigned for that. Those six minutes, though, they've got to give Jordan Poole every opportunity to get going because you yeah. saw in game one, it was just him flinging long bomb we're, threes because he couldn't do anything else.
0: We're kind of dancing around the topic that we think that the lineup that Steve Kerr put out there in the fourth quarter really hurt the Warriors. I mean, it. it, it he could have put that lineup out there and the. And the Celtics could have gone five of 11 instead of nine of 11. And maybe it's a different outcome. They could have survived it because they had a 12 point lead, but that lineup combination he put out there was hurtful.
2: Um, well, and it's also, this is also a sign of the sort of the, the yin and yang of this series, right? Where the Celtics we've talked about it all playoffs when they're healthy. Their top eight guys are rock solid, Right. They're all two-way guys that, you you know, some of them are better defensively than others. Some of them are better offensively than others. But there's no holes at either end to really go at. Golden State Warriors have a lot of guys who are incredible at one end and awful at the other. And that makes it a really difficult jigsaw puzzle to put together if you're Steve Kerr. Like you said it, Brian. for To me, for Golden State to win this series, they've got to really find the right combinations of guys to put out there at different points in the game and it's a really ch- big challenge for them to do that because it's not as simple as oh just put these five out guys out there and it's going to be good like they've got to really mix and match to make it work because they've got to balance out you know draymond being an incredible defensive player and an awful offensive player and jordan Poole, vice versa and steph vice for like it's just it's a lot of stuff they have to get right and it's it's going to be a really difficult job for them to calibrate it just right to get these to get where they want to go
0: For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. So one statistic that I saw after game one, which I don't know, uh, stats and info gave this to us. And uh, I didn't see this before if it was being tracked, but I thought it was a pretty amazing stat. Um, So in game one, Jason Tatum was three of 17 from the floor. One of his worst free throw shooting games of the playoffs. Although he's had some bad ones. He had a couple, I think four of 19 or four of 18 game before, but he had 13 assists in this game, in this game one. And Uh, so, so stats and info came up with this stat that this year when Jason Tatum has seven or more assists, the Celtics are 17 and two, including what have they, they're 14 in a row when he does that. And, um, I asked Tatum today and I thought about that stat a lot for the last two days because I was like, well, maybe it's just indicative of games where the Celtics have hot shooting. And it's not so much Tatum being a creator that it's just an indication that when the Celtics shoot really well, they win and the ball happens to come from somebody and Tatum, Tatum has his hands on the ball a lot. Um, Because if you watched, you know, Bontemps referenced this earlier, there was a lot of times that Horford or Derek white made threes because the warriors were sinking in the paint to try to help on Tatum. And I was thinking, boy, is there like a, a secret formula here where, the Celtics want Tatum to be a distributor, even though that's what opponents want too. So I asked Jason today whether he felt like the Celtics, or um, whether he felt like the Warriors keyed on him more than than normal, whether or not they were making the the choice to you know let him get off or let his his, his teammates you know go off. And so he said, yes, they showed him a lot of attention, but in his view, it wasn't any different from from what else he's seen this postseason, which is as the leading scorer and wing ball handler, that he gets the ball and he goes to the paint and, and those guys, um, they shrink and help. Um, but Bontemps, I thought that was a fascinating stat and is really going to change the way I watch how the Celtics operate um, because it, it, you know, normally you'd say you'd want Tatum to turn into a distributor, but now you have to think that it's the greatest thing the Celtics could have happen for them when when he starts to distribute.
2: I actually disagree with you saying that's what you would want them to do. I think that's what the Celtics, to your point, the Celtics have been at their best this season when they share the ball. And their season changed when they got rid of Dennis Schroeder and they got rid of Josh Richardson. They brought in Derek White and they started playing Peyton Pritchard more. And they went from a team that was ranked 22nd in offense through the first 47 games of the season to one that had the best offense in the league, the final 35. And that was because they started to move the ball on a regular basis and play the way Emi Odoka has talked about wanting to play since he got hired last summer. And while, yes, I think a lot of that stat comes down to, um, as you said, those are games when these perimeter guys for the Celtics are hitting threes. And it's not like Jason Tatum was throwing Chris Paul type passes in that game one. It was a lot of making the right play, the simple play, you know, let me just kick to this wide open guy in the wing because the Warriors are stagged in. They are going to hit a shot. I do think it's indicative of when when he and Jalen Brown are playing within the team concept, the Celtics are really, really good when they start to get a little shot heavy and trying to do too much themselves. That's when the Celtics start to go the other way, like in game one, those two combined for 40 shots. Tatum had 17. Jalen had 23. If they're combining for around 40 shots, I think if you're Boston, you probably feel pretty good if they're combining for, say, 50 or 55 shots. Then I think you're probably saying, "All right, those guys are taking a few too many." So, uh, it is an interesting stat. I do think it's indicative of hot so, shooting, but it is so the way I think that. Boston so it's
0: indicative wants to of hot play. shooting and balance. But either yes. right, but either way, it's indicative of the things working really well. Yes. Well, and if and, and, I'm
2: if I'm the Warriors, I want to try to make Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown beat me. That's what I want to do. I want to stay on these other shooters. And I want to make those guys, which is the feel exact like opposite
0: to- of what they I'm, did. That's the exact opposite of their game one game plan. I
1: know. Yeah. That's how I'd be trying to get them to play. And and you you go back to early in the season when Marcus Smart called those guys out for basically not moving the ball. You know, t- for for playing a hero ball, for wanting to uh, do everything themselves. And then you look at that fourth quarter. You know that 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 fourth quarter, uh, Tatum had four assists. Tatum didn't make a shot, but he had four assists. Brown had five assists. I mean, Brown's numbers in that quarter: he had ten points, five assists, four six. Played all but forty-eight seconds, plus twenty-seven. Uh, the Celtics, as a team, I mean, that was one of the best ball movement quarters that we've seen uh, in these playoffs. They were fifteen of twenty-two from the floor and had twelve assists. I mean, that thing was jet. I, it helps
0: when you make your. It shots. was just hopping.
1: Yeah, but again, yes, they they made it was a ridiculous shot making quarter. Nine and twelve from three. But I will go back to saying you get hot as shooters when ball movement is creating great looks. And they did that consistently in that quarter. Sure did. So uh,
0: another thing that we thought might be an adjustment. um, So Kavon Looney played 25 minutes. He had nine rebounds, five assists, three blocks. It was a very highly effective shift. Now, his, his plus minus was actually in the negative, which surprised me. He was negative two. He basically didn't play much in the fourth quarter. I think in the fourth quarter, he only played two minutes. By the time he got in there. Uh, he the, played uh,
1: 247, and, and yeah. <laughs> they, they were, the avalanche had started by then. It, it was
0: too late. Um, can, should they play Mooney more? Mooney, should they play Looney more, uh, Bontemps?
2: I think they need to play Kavan Looney more, and I think they need to play Draymond Green less. And I think the Draymond Green situation going forward in this series is going to be.
0: I don't think there's any. Watch. Well, so Draymond played 38 minutes. That's probably just too many anyway. But I, if the Warriors are going to go down, I think they're going to go down with Draymond.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I agree, and I think they're yeah. going to go down. Like, look, they have won multiple games in these playoffs, as we talked about going into Game One, when Draymond's either been ejected or gotten in foul trouble, and they won because that happened. And his offense in this mm. series, look, it's exactly why they won game two against Memphis or green. I don't remember which game it was the game. He got ejected in against Memphis in Memphis. They won that game when their offense was stuck in the mud with him because they took him off the court and they took off on offense and they just blew Memphis out of the water.
1: And you saw in, in
2: game no, one and game two, Looney,
1: and game two was, in Dallas, I will say that when Draymond got in foul trouble, that's when the Warriors it took totally off. Shift, I will, I will go, it totally.
2: It totally shifted the game. I'm and, just saying and
1: I don't buy that for a long haul, you know, for a final series that the Warriors are better without Draymond Green playing a prominent role. They need Draymond he, to play well, which yeah. he stunk it up in game one. But I, I don't think that the Warriors can beat the Celtics if Draymond's a bit player. What I When I say play less, I don't mean play
2: 10 minutes a game. But, like, in game one, Draymond was awful. And Kevon Looney, I did not expect him to continue to be an offensive rebounding machine in this. You know series. they're calling him now. Orford. I have heard this. Moses, Go, Maloney. Tell the people, <laughs> Moses Maloney, <laughs> uh, which is a pretty, which is obviously a reference to Moses Malone, one of the great rebounders yeah. of all time. And look, he had five one of the offensive greatest rebounders.
0: offensive rebounders. The the like, I should look up how many more the, the, Moses Malone's offensive rebound statistic it's one of those stats that will never be broken. Yeah. It's like uh Cy Young. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Uh, it's like the Cy Young um, uh, wins. It, it, it just, just forget about it. No one will ever have more offensive rebounds. While you're talking, yes. I'm going to look it up.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll talk while you're doing it. So look, like in game one, he had five offensive rebounds in the first half. They had a 19, they had 19 second chance points in the first half. That was a big part of why Golden State led most of the first half. And so you're right, McMahon. It, they, it's not like taking Draymond green off the court is going to make golden state better. If he just doesn't play at all, but when he doesn't have it, they have to, I think, have the ability to scale his minutes back and play somebody else instead. And I agree with you, Brian, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go down with Draymond when he's out there, but in this series, part of the reason he took 12 shots at game one is the Celtics have the ability to guard man up on the perimeter against the Warriors in a way few other teams do. And so because of that, they can just play Robert Williams or Al Horford back towards the basket against Draymond. And he has to kind of just stand there with the ball. And I just think it's something they're going to have to look at because if if he is not more effective than he was in game one, I really don't see a path to Golden State win in the series.
1: I've got the Malone. Rebound. I've got it. Offense rebound. All Go right. Ahead.
0: Moses Malone. Now this is a NBA and ABA together, which for this stat I think is appropriate. <laughs> Moses Malone had seventy three hundred eighty two offensive rebounds in his career. Second place, Artis Gilmore, seventy three eighty two. Right, had forty eight hundred. So he had tw- he had twenty five hundred more. Just to put that in perspective, it, it is. Let me look here. Like the. Artis Gilmore is closer to number like twenty on the list, Ben Wallace, than he is to number one on the list. So uh, Moses NBA, Malone, be only.
1: Right. It's it's sixty seven thirty one. Robert Parrish is second with forty five ninety eight. There's only a handful of active players who even have two thousand offensive rebounds.
0: Right. So, so calling that's, him that—that's been Moses really looked like Maloney. playoffs. He had six off, might be a little aggressive on that, but I I I like a good nickname. Uh Moses Maloney with six offensive rebounds. And by the way, those offensive rebounds really hurt Golden State. Um, and uh I'm sorry, hurt Boston. But it was funny. Bontemps, you said something uh when you were on SportsCenter yesterday that I think was interesting. Draymond was like, Well, he's like, We we controlled most of the game. We control, I think he said we controlled the game for 42 minutes.
2: That's correct. And, and in a game, he, they led in a game. They trailed at halftime and were outscored 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. So it's interesting math to look at that. Yeah, so well, yeah. for well, Draymond we Draymond great. was, was painting quite the
0: picture of what happened in game one, but sure was. you know, at halftime, I remember thinking, boy, the offensive rebounding is really hurting the Celtics. Like it's really, but you know, really that wasn't true. What was true is the offensive rebounding was keeping the Warriors in the game, so that they when they did have the big third quarter, that that ended up you know it was uh, something that you know enabled them to get separation.
1: Um, I, guys, I I kind of feel like you guys are taking shots at Draymond out of petty jealousy. The the man does have the number one ranked basketball podcast in the country that's right true. now. Uh that's you true. know he is
2: a, a podcast. He is a he is a media
1: sensation, and he is always entertaining. Yeah, new, new, new he, 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 he's beating us at our own game, but he's not beating the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, he
0: might be the endless, Celtics once. Again.
2: Listen, He is endlessly he is endlessly entertaining, and I I enjoyed his whole press conference. But you know, look, a lot of their struggles in that game one do go back to Draymond playing terribly. He just yeah. has to be a lot better in game two.
1: Well, and he owned that. You know, he he, he's not denying that he stunk it up. Um, yeah, again, he cre- I just... he,
2: cre- he creatively painted a picture around it,
1: but he also did say he was terrible. So, <laughs> yes. you know it's. The, the, that, that, is, that is one fact that he did not get wrong.
0: So the other thing that I th- that happened in game one that I think we need to watch going forward is what happened in the third quarter. Um, the game was a two-point game, the Celtics at halftime, and the Warriors are – I don't even know if it's arguable. I don't have the stats from the 60s at hand, but um, they if they're not the greatest third-quarter team in mm. history, this group of Warriors – then they are among the greatest third yeah. quarter teams. It's the,
2: defining, a, it's the defining thing of their run is their third quarter knockout blow. They've done it a billion times to people.
1: I, don't and know, I think the defining thing might have, be having two, arguably the two best three-point shooters in history, but go on.
2: Well, but they will come out. Steph would always play the whole third quarter, and he, they would come out in an avalanche. And I mean, they've blown out countless teams in the third quarters. like that's And true. there's been, there's that's been
0: many do. stories written about it. They've been asked about it for years. And I don't think I've ever seen like something where I say, okay, that's the reason why, but f- and it's not like they're like a football team that goes in and then comes out with a whole new blocking scheme or whatever. Um, there's something about the warriors that in the third quarter, and then Montem's you've covered the Celtics all year. They haven't been a good third quarter team. And in game one, their sluggishness coming out of the gates. And I asked Ime Udoka about this today. And quite frankly, Ime Udoka, who often has very honest answers for things, he didn't really have an answer. And, um, they've only spent the past
2: two months saying every day, we got to play better in the third quarter. And then they've been awful in the third quarter. I mean, their stats in the third quarter among the worst teams in the entire playoffs. It's just been an ongoing thing for them.
1: They got to get some orange slices in there or
2: something, (laughs) something, (laughs) So Jalen, Jalen Brown said, he goes,
0: yeah, you know, uh, it's one thing to see them on film in the third quarter. It's another thing to actually experience it. And, um, you know, this is one of the things about that I've seen about the NBA over the years. I've mentioned this on this pod before. Sometimes in the NBA, it blows you away. The intricacy and background and detail that these teams go through for things and sometimes it does the exact opposite. Sometimes you will hear and see things. You're like, seriously, like that's how much research you did before trading for that guy. Seriously. That was your game plan. Like, like I am constantly blown away by there. So I, I want to commend the NBA for allowing, because it's the NBA who, who approves the, the sound mm, that you hear mm-hmm. um, from the camp, from the, from the microphones of, um, from the, coach and the player is a there's somebody from the nba sitting in the television truck who gets to preview the sound and gets to say that goes or that doesn't go and we've seen a couple of times this postseason where the nba has approved really good um sound mm-hmm. um and the coach has an option of switching his microphone off and um i'm always seeing he may switch it off he keeps it in his left front left pocket and you could see him turning on and off all the time um so the coach can can mute himself but you know the player can't do that and so in the first quarter um you have marcus smart with really great and strategy that they allowed to talk which is like this you know he said we're not playing the heat anymore you cannot drop you cannot fall back on the screens now this is what i'm talking about like to me like (laughs) This is like the first line of the scouting report. Yeah. Like yeah. everything hey, that you've done that, for that, four, that four Steph five
1: guy, You don't want him to walk into wide open threes. Like right. you, you can't saggle. And like, I mean, it was like three or four. It's just like, what are you doing? I had multiple so like, scouts
2: text me text me asking, Are the Celtics just going to let staff shoot an open three every trip down the court?
1: And I said, Maybe. Seems to maybe. be the early plan. <laughs> there was so, one one that was a miscommunication, like two guys you know, I, I don't know if they thought of one thought they were switching one didn't. I don't know what happened there, but two guys float away from them. But then the others, it was like, they're just dropping back, letting them kind of comfortably come off the screen. Boom. Right. Knock it down. Well, that was
0: one of the, one of the adjustments that the Celtics made by putting Al Horford at center, even though Robert Williams was very valuable as you know, he blocked four shots and had like mm-hmm. four alley-oops. Um, Robert Williams, his tendency is to sink pretty far back. Yeah, he doesn't like to come out of even the the foul line. Whereas Horford yeah. is a lot more comfortable coming way up even outside the three point line, and and so I don't, you know, I get into X's and O's and I start to get embarrassed. Zach Lowe starts laughing at me when he's drinking, when he's sipping his tea. Um, but it was clear that 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 adjustment. So so I would say like I don't understand why the Celtics game plan wasn't more locked down against mm. Steph Curry. Yeah. And I also would say the same thing about this third quarter. How are you guys not leaving the locker room, like bouncing off the walls, getting ready for this onslaught? Uh, but they weren't. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that they do really well. But for some reason, the start of the game, the start of the third quarter, their focus on the, what needed to be done wasn't there. And I, and, and, and I would advise McMahon that they, because you know the Warriors are going to clean some stuff up. If the mm-hmm. Celtics are going to clean some stuff up in game two, how about we start the game in the third quarter with a little bit more focus in our game plan? Now, granted, look, sometimes Steph is going to make the shot anyway, but let's try to start the game by following the game plan. Yes,
1: yeah, Steph will make tough shots, but you have to at least make him take tough shots because the ones he was getting in the in the first quarter, like those are the kind of shots to get Andre Iguodala the finals MVP.
0: So one more thing I want to, Bring up before we go. I don't know if Bontemps saw this because, I, you know, I don't know if the, where Bontemps was. There were monitors. Were, 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 were there monitors, Bontemps?
2: Uh, yeah, but were? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're referring to. This the Steph ankle thing?
0: Yes. Did you? I mean, okay. It's obvious looked, that we know. Fine. No, no. That's all I'm talking about. We know Steph Curry wears ankle braces.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh. Obviously, he's... But, uh, McMahon, did you see that ankle brace that Steph... His shoe came off midway yeah. through the game.
1: Yeah, I got his foot stepped on.
0: I mean, obviously, the man has had ankle issues. He, I have never... Maybe people are no, laughing like, at me. They're go, like
2: air casts. Yeah. I mean, like. had, you not, had you not seen it? Had you, I didn't realize this is what you were talking about. Had you not seen his braces before?
0: But, like, I, I'd seen his braces. I know he was wearing them, but I had never seen, like, what it looks like when his shoe is off. I am super duper impressed that he's still able to move the way he moves playing with that on his ankles i mean it's i don't even know how to come like there's like two straps like holding each side together like cross crossed against each other i have no idea what the tension is on there but i imagine if it's that big and strong the tension isn't loose um I mean, maybe I'd seen it before and forgotten. Maybe if you're a Warriors fan, you're like, oh, no, we've all seen that for years. But I was like, whoa, look at that sucker. Um, Did you see that, uh, Bontemps?
2: I've I've seen it before. I didn't see it in in this game. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, Steph, obviously – I mean, everybody knows his history with ankle injuries, and it it is crazy the amount of time and effort and energy he puts in to both get on the court and to – play with those braces i mean people see how fast he is and it's i mean it's pretty wild that he's doing it on ankles with those braces and everything he's been through it but again part of the reason he's able to do that is you know that's one of the reasons why he's one of the you know name the number but he's in the very high list of best well, players of man. all time for a reason yeah
1: and and jason kidd you know in the west finals referred to step as the best conditioned athlete in the nba and that's why he can uh you know i, th- I think the shape he's gotten, the work he's done on his body has helped him, uh, you know, as far as dealing with all the ankle stuff. And it's also why he can play 38 minutes and and be running around without the ball. You know, like when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's working harder than when he does. No question. No uh, question. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a, gonna get a picture of this you for you, Bon Thames, show minutes. it
0: to you. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by shopify. so go to shopify.com/hoop all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to shopify's entire suite of features. grow your business with shopify today. go to shopify.com/hoop right now. shopify.com/hoop. starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. between all the ups and downs, twists and turns and highs and lows comes the actual business side of your business which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can get paid, run payroll, and know where your business stands from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at QuickBooks.com. QuickBooks payroll, QuickBooks payments, and QuickBooks online account required.
1: I said it would be interesting if he, can, if he can play 45 minutes in this series.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, he's going to have to. I mean, he, you know, Steph usually is pretty diplomatic about stuff, mm-hmm. right? And for him to come out after game one and basically say, this is do or die time, I got to play, you know, basically begging to play more minutes.
0: Today he said this was a come to Jesus moment. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: mean, Steph, look, the Warriors realize, I think the Warriors realize that if this is, this is going to be a challenge in this series, and it's going to take a lot to beat this Celtics team and it's, it's a difficult matchup for them. Like I mentioned earlier, they have these guys that have very big strengths and very big weaknesses. Here it is. Can you see that? I, I, I have seen it. Yes. Okay. That's quite the ankle brace, but I don't think uh, brace is
0: a strong enough word. Well, I said it's almost an
2: air cast. I mean, it, I mean, it is closer to that probably than a typical brace. Jackson is telling
0: us our producer, Jackson, Agello is telling us that he said that his, um, the, the, the ankle brace has like multiple pieces and he's got a superstition about how he, uh, about how he, how he puts the pieces on, which yeah, I, I believe it. If his ankle history, I would do whatever I took to make it feel right too.
2: But yeah, but these guys know it's going to be hard and Steph knows it. And I mean, that's why he's asking to play more minutes. I mean, it, you know, it's why he had that reaction on that. Jordan. But Bull earlier like, in his career, when
0: he's earlier in his career, when he's had playoff series where he's played a lot of minutes, he's, he's tended to wear down. So, I can see why Steve Kerr is trying not to, not to have to happen. Also, they got a 12 point lead to start the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he played the whole third. I mean, you got to be able to handle that as a team, that you don't yep. need to have him out there. Okay. If it's game seven and it's a tie game, you might, you might have to play him 46. Well, you can't. I mean, I, you
2: can't. Yeah. I mean, 46 minutes is too many. But again, this is where we get back to with those Jordan Poole lineups. So, Steph isn't out there. They have to put lineups on the court. Where he has the ability to create some offensive by buy Steph a few minutes to sit on the bench because if he's out there with two or three non-shooters, which the Warriors have a lot of guys who are non-shooters, it just is going well, to be too hard. Well, he played
0: thirty-eight minutes and change, and he came out for the last minute because they waved the white flag. So he, you know, and Clay played. The only person that played more with him more than him was Clay. So yeah, but. Uh, All right. Well, um, I think we're headed for a long series. I'll tell you that, Um, you know, uh, these days uh, with difficulty with airlines, um, you can't just assume that you're going to be able to get what flights you want. So um, and there's no change fees peeling the 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 uh, curtain back a little bit. I have booked my flights through game six. I have booked flights.
2: I've booked them through game 7 Well, look at you. Wow. I just so, think it's going to be he, a long, I just think he just certainly won up to you. Well, <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I'm, a, I've obviously, you know, clearly I think golden state has some, uh, some things they have to work on, but I think anybody who thinks it's going to be an easy series either way is, you know, this is going to be a, this should be a long, fun series. And I certainly won't be surprised if golden state wins comfortably in game two and gets this thing even up quantity yeah. and quality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Right uh yeah i heard from some people about that all right thanks for (laughs) listening and watching the hoop collective podcast uh we will have uh another uh by the way i had kendrick perkins on the hoop collective uh post game after game one and you know perk is having a running conversation with me and a running conversation with some celtics fans who were there who are saying we love you perk and a running conversation with uh warriors fans who are saying we hate you perk um and where where do you fall
1: on that spectrum
0: well you know i'm just in the mix
1: i'm in the mix lover hey how do you feel about perk
0: i I love perk i love perk when i covered him as a player he was always very very you know grim and like you know hard to talk to it had the mean mean mug face um but uh he um you know he ever you know but i I always heard his teammates loved him and i was like really he seems kind of like a a off-putting guy but since he's been retired. He's been great to work with. But um, Perk went home. Perk went home. Perk's not going to be at Game Two. Who's going to be the co-host tomorrow? Zach Lowe, who we normally do this mm. with. Zach's in, on the East Coast. Zach's LC I'll in tell Boston. You, what,
1: you know who you need to get you need to get old cornbread Maxwell after the quote that he gave you about uh, the Lakers offering the Lakers a chance to sniff his posterior.
2: <laughs> if the Celtics if the Celtics win tomorrow, you you should just have Stetrick on there.
0: If I had Cornbread Maxwell on there, I don't know what he would say because... Well, that's why you got to have him on there. To, uh, I, I wrote this story uh, that came out today on Saturday about how the Lakers, like the Lakers, a lot. I don't know, I can't speak for the fans, but a lot of former Lakers who I talked to really don't want the Celtics to win because then they would get the 18th title. And they've been for decades trying to catch and pass the Lakers. And after, since 2000, the, the Lakers have won six and the Celtics have won one. And after since the 60s, it hasn't been tied since the 60s. So it's been tied for the last two years. The Lakers thought this year was going to be the year. They thought Russ was going to be the guy to carry him over oh, the threshold. Boy. They were going to get the 18th star at center court at crypto.com arena. And instead, it looks like the Celtics might be able to do it. They're three wins from doing it. So the
1: Lakers are closer to getting 18 wins.
0: <laughs> I talked to Magic Johnson before the game. I was talking to Michael Thompson. I talked to some other people I talked to, like Steve Kerr and uh, Clay Thompson, who are grew up as Laker fans who hate the Celtics when they were kids. Um, I talked to some Celtics players, and I finally got. I wanted to ask Cornbread because Cornbread Maxwell has had a years-long running back and forth with James Worthy about this exact topic. They talk trash to each other over media. They talk trash to each other in in person about the Lakers Celtics, and so I just happened to get. Uh, Uh, cedric for the interview like about 20 minutes after the game and he was still feeling himself from that big victory (laughs) he said you tell james worthy (laughs) when we win this championship he can smell our ass on the way by And listen, I'm standing there in front of him holding a tape recorder. He knew 1000% he was on the record. Oh, Cedric, um, Cedric and, and, has
2: never once cared about being on the record. He's going to say what he's going to say all the time.
0: Well, the best is, is that he sits a couple of rows in front of us in Boston. He doesn't sit close to us on the road, but like he's, he's sometimes like the radio broadcast, Celtics radio broadcast is going on. Sean Grandy is doing the radio broadcast and 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 Max will be like somewhere else. He'll be talking to people in the stands or whatever. Like there'll be two possessions into the third quarter, and then he comes in and sits back down. I mean, it, the guy is a legend. But uh, that is, was a, he, that is was a le- le- he
2: is he is a legend who acts like
1: a legend.
0: <laughs> that was a that was a really good quote. Um, all right, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. Thanks to Jackson. Thanks to the to the Tims. We'll uh, talk to you after game two. Who knows who will be next to me? I got to figure it out. And, uh, then we'll talk to you again. Uh, this group will talk to you the day of game, uh, three, which will be Wednesday. next Wednesday. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Los amigos.
2: Real quick. What's the easiest choice you can make window seat over middle taco
1: Tuesday over salad. What about selling with Shopify?